That's the nature of your emergency. Welcome to Tactical Living by Leo Warriors. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, and I'm here with my co-host and husband, Clint Walton. How are you doing? And for today's episode, we want to talk about mental health issues. And in particular, my first exposure to several people throughout the day who came across as having a wide array of different mental health issues. And over the weekend, I had the opportunity to go out on a ride-along uh, we'll say with my husband, although technically I wasn't allowed to go out with my husband. So for anybody that doesn't know, he's a police officer. And I was able to go out on a ride along with one of his partners. And throughout the entire day, it was a pretty much a 12-hour day, we got to shadow one another from call to call. And the city that my husband works in is not the safest city, to say the least, but I started to notice pretty quickly that there was a common theme for the majority of calls that we went out on throughout the day, and that was people dealing with problems as it related to mental health issues. And in our city in particular, we do have a large population of group homes and homeless individuals who have mental health issues. And this has become just not a citywide problem, but it is a nationwide problem in general. Um, whether it's bipolar, schizophrenia, or just people that abuse drugs enough or sedate themselves with drugs to combat those issues. And our ride along that day, Ashley got to see for the first time truly what someone with schizophrenia looks like. And if you've never experienced before, it's, it's a different kind of feeling. And you're, you're speaking with them and you can tell they're not fully listening to you and engaging with you. And to say this was my first experience would be a little bit of an understatement. I have five brothers and a very overprotective father. And I was really sheltered from the realities of the world in a lot of way, ways. And I've never been in contact with somebody, at least to my knowledge, and at least to this caliber. And I know there was one call in particular we went out to where somebody had called in and said that there was somebody trying to steal from him. So, of course, going to the call, you don't know much else apart from what the caller is calling in to complain about. And we get there, and it's a, a guy who looks pretty normal upon first ex experience and approach with him. He didn't look like he had anything wrong. So everything he started to say, I really started to pay attention to in its validity. And he starts talking about somebody wanted to steal his Xbox, and he heard banging outside the night before. And then he's very blatant and honest and starting to discuss how the voices just won't stop talking to him. He starts saying how the voices keep threatening him and they say that they're going to steal his Xbox and make him do things, although he insisted that he wasn't going to hurt himself or hurt anybody else. 
And as he's being questioned, before he could come up with a response to anybody who he's physically present with, I could see it in his eyes that he was so conflicted and struggling because you can tell that the voices that were approaching him in reality and physically weren't the only ones that he was listening to. And for me to just pay witness to see someone for the first time battling something like that, I couldn't imagine what it would be like. One of the officers asked if he was hearing the voices in current time, and he admitted that he was. And he's on medication. He had taken his medication, and it still wasn't helping. And so the officers asked if they could do something more to help him, and he admitted that one of the only things that he could do is not to go take a walk or to work out, but instead to just fall asleep because when he's sleeping, that's the only time that these voices are able to, to numb or to silence. And with that, it's something within my experience around mental health issues. It's no matter what they say or do, while every waking moment they're hearing those voices. And I couldn't even imagine the struggle that they go through on a daily basis. And for a police officer, it's something that our agency and, and a lot of police agencies do a lot of training around because it is becoming so predominant within our country. And in saying that, people get frustrated. If you're, you ask them a question and everyone typically wants a response right away. But you almost have to hold space for them to listen to it. And sometimes they'll ask you to repeat it because could you imagine five, six voices talking to you at once and then someone standing in front of you talking to you too? Just sifting through everything that's going on and trying to figure out which one's real and which one's not because your brain's just not allowing you to do so. And I think it was a really great experience for me to go out and to see this firsthand for myself because I never had any empathy towards this. It's easy for previously somebody like me to say, oh, well, that person's just crazy. You hear voices in your head. There's something wrong with you. Or it's drugs or drug related. And that's what's causing those voices to be activated in your head. Yeah, but I know that for this, I mean, we have a lot of experience with people who abuse substances, and I know for this this man in particular, that wasn't the case. Apart from what he was dealing with mental health-wise, he was seemingly healthy. He definitely didn't look suspect to any kind of drug abuse whatsoever. No, not at all, and and a lot of times there's a huge misconception of people who have mental illness or just high on drugs. And unfortunately, a lot of times people who do have that mental illness kind of try to sedate themselves or use the drugs as a barrier between them and the voices in their head. From your experience, does that really seem to help them? Normally it just triggers those reactions more and 
with the drugs on board, normally they turn to more violent actions or something where they can become a danger to themselves or others, and then that's when we have to take action. But the misconception for us, too, is everyone just calls. They see someone just talking to themselves, walking down the street and just not acting right. They go, oh, that person's dangerous. Well, for most people, they're not. They just don't know how to handle what's going on. And I completely get that now. I completely get it because going into that call in the beginning, I was like, okay, this guy's crazy. This is going to be some 5150. I'm going to get to go and we're going to take him somewhere that I've never been before. It's going to be exciting. And then after you were able to calm him down and all he wanted legitimately was documentation that there was somebody threatening to steal his belongings. And that was his truth and his reality. And because he wasn't a danger to himself or to others, and he didn't need any additional resources, and he was okay, we turned around and walked away. And that specific incident is something that we deal with on a regular basis. And we have to always articulate to families like, we can't just take him because, or her, because they are hearing voices. But people are so intimidated by that because it's not the ordinary. It's not something that you see on a daily basis. And I could completely understand that. My first time speaking with someone who had the violent tendencies and in dealing with being schizophrenic, if you don't approach it in the right way, it can turn violent very quickly. Could you imagine on your worst day of your worst week of the worst year, you're so tense and you're so angry and no matter what you do, you seem you're doing it wrong. And then someone comes in and just starts yelling at you more for no apparent reason because you're not listening to them. Well, I challenge you. Have five people talk to you at once and then have one person stand in front of you and start yelling at you to tell you what to do and see how easy it is for you to respond to that. Well, shit, I can't even fathom that because just my own ego and that inner chatter that I have when I have any, any kind of emotions like self-doubt, for example, creep in, drives me up the wall. And I know that that's just me. That's a normal tendency that we all have. And the voices that they're hearing in their, their head, it's not something nice and friendly telling them good things about themselves. Imagine your deepest, darkest voice inside of you. The things you like or dislike about yourself, bringing that up every second of every day and saying you're worthless, saying you're not good enough, and that's all you ever hear. And that's horrible. I, I could not imagine living my life that way, whether it's somebody that was imminently born that way and their parents knew about it, I don't know, as soon as they started talking, maybe. Or if it's something that you got older and then, you know, the disease progressed and then maybe you didn't want to ask for help in the beginning. I couldn't imagine what it would feel like to have to tell my mom and dad, 
I hear voices. I think it's a ghost. I'm not sure what it is, but there's something going on. And then to even have to start that treatment process. And I think these people are so brave for doing that. Well, and that you bringing up the whole treatment process is a whole other issue of our mental health systems are so inundated with people who have mental illness. They don't have time or or the willingness to actually evaluate them and diagnose them properly and kind of play around with medications because a lot of times the medications they just give them sedate them. And that's no way of living a functional life. So a lot of doctors, and and I've spoken with people who have their schizophrenia under control through medication and through the right kinds of therapy and everything. And, you know, sometimes they can live a productive life with themselves, with their loved ones, whoever it may be. It's finding the right medication for that individual person because all of our genetics are different and we don't respond necessarily the same to those medications. So what's the first step or what's a step in the right direction if you're already one of those patients that has been combating this for so long in order to to find that balance? Really, it comes down to a lot of trial and error. It's reaching out to your local mental health professionals and talking with the doctors and explaining to them what's going on. You, you have to get the ball rolling somehow. A lot of doctors will just prescribe you something, and if it works, great. If it doesn't work, then you're, it's just unfortunate because you're still struggling with that hardship. And you, as you listen to this, maybe someone you know and care about, or maybe you yourself are dealing with mental health issues. I think the most important thing is to not run from that. And although resources are limited, there are resources out there. And I know at least in our local area, there's never, there's never a mental health or behavioral health center that will ever turn a patient away. And you just do that trial and error. And if you're that person who knows somebody who's dealing with this, encourage them to continue to go through the process of trying to find that balance. And I know from this whole experience, just me being able to immerse myself and be proactive to get to understand and learn more about the disabilities and the mental health challenges that people face, it's really allowed me to experience it firsthand. And I know going forward that I can increase my empathy and my awareness when I see this and identify it out there in the real world. And when we're able to do that and we're able to be understanding and we're able to experience what other people are going through based on the level of empathy that allows us to be human and to understand this could be us too, then we're really able to enjoy our tactical living.